I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Oh, loving that new intro music. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Anyways, welcome to season three, episode two of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. Today, we are covering chapters six through 10 of A Court of Wings and Ruin by Sarah J. Mass. But before we get into it, some housekeeping. Remember, this podcast and little ears uh, do not mix. So mm-hmm. maybe don't do it. <laughs> and don't forget to head over to our Instagram page and see how you can enter our first giveaway for Akawar. In conjunction with our friends at Bentgrass Designs, we are giving away a one-of-a-kind gift for the ultimate Sarah J. Mass Akatar fan. There will be opportunities to enter all month long. Yes! And as always, we love some song suggestions, love notes, ratings, all the things. We actually got our first fan song suggestion, and we're super excited to bring it up later this season because it doesn't go into this set of chapters, but it will come up uh, in a couple of episodes. So, yes, keep sending us those. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Yes, I'm super excited. I think that pretty much wraps things up. Okay, Kelsey. Well, you left us off last week with chapter five. You ready to pick up chapter six? Yeah, so I'll continue on with the next few chapters uh, because, well, I love Lucian and I cannot let this go. So, <laughs> chapter you six. Have, you have feelings, huh? I have feelings. So, chapter six starts out, a set of keys to the estate gates had gone missing, but we don't care <laughs> because, well, we are at breakfast and it's awkward as fuck. Because it's you just know, like, it would be a totally great spewable moment. It really would be. Totally like, see the spew. It's like, what a fucking stupid statement. It also like served you right. But anyway, um, I guess Jurian and I are the only ones on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Because he just rolls his eyes and the dude twin is like, then tell the gardeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be one of the best lines he has it really is he has like no lines basically he's like tell the gardeners and she's like no bro it's a blight on the land okay and even tamlin's just like fucking over it and he sighs just like agitated enough i guess Feyre kind of decides that maybe he's thinking it sounds like something that Anthea would do you know like kill some grass so she can claim to bring it back to life but <laughs> <laughs> she insists, she's magic yeah because she's yeah she's magic she is some but she, <laughs> she insists that there are spots in the woods that have died and aren't coming back and for some reason she decides that this is a warning a warning that the naga are planning an attack i mean don't ask me the specifics she's just nuts okay like i don't ask me the specifics because there are none <laughs> like really make she knows this like i, I want to know me too and if i because knew... we don't learn any of this before right two books and, ago right and if i had any idea you know i'd tell you but i got less than nothing Feyre tries to play nice gently suggesting that maybe she should just ask the gardeners and like now that she's sufficiently under anthe skin she decides to get under tamlin's We're heading out this afternoon to survey the wall, but if the problem remains when we return in a few days, I'll help you look into it. Those silver ringed fingers curled into loose fists at her side, but like the true viper she was, Anthe said to Tamlin, will you be joining them, High Lord? 
She looked at me and Lucian, the assessment too lingering to be casual. So Anthony basically urges Tamlin that maybe he should go because I mean you never know what mean old night like you know mean old night court they may come to kidnap Favor back or something at least you know that's like what she's claiming and Favor <laughs> like caught off guard by this has to decide what to say in like a split second and just instead opts to just like look scared. <laughs> She's like, I'm just going to think of all these horrible things and look scared and hope that that masks this whole like meeting sense shit. So feigning yeah. terror, she quietly asks, have you news? And like, weirdly, it's Jurian who answers, there is no news. He says, their borders are secure. Reesan would be a fool to push his luck by coming here. And Anthony's like, yeah, but like, maybe he is a fool. <laughs> and then points out to Tamlin that maybe Reese wouldn't be so pissed off if Tamlin would return his family's wings. Like, yeah, well, (laughs) uh, Feyre has to pretend to not want to start slashing throats here. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm with Feyre on this one. I'm sorry. I mean, aren't we all? For a heartbeat, Silence rippled through me, followed by a wave of roaring that drowned out nearly every thought, every self-preserving instinct. I could barely hear over the bellowing in my blood, my bones. So, yeah, she's a little pissed off. Just a wee bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not that I blame her at all. Yeah. So trying to change the subject and act like all is well they were touches tamlin's hand and reminds him that she's a big girl she can take care of herself she'll be fine and reminds him let's not start down this road again which like does seem to shut him up <laughs> thank then, god for small miracles <sighs> and then we get a snowflake which okay like in fairness i do feel like the pacing of these chapters and the use of snowflakes has been like a little bit better in akawar than in akamath but that's not saying much because there's still some weird usage <laughs> of the snowflakes where chapter markings might should be just just a wee bit yes yeah. but uh, still just you know something to note anyway lucian pharaoh weirdo twins and jurian and some like unnamed centuries hang, like they head out on their journey weirdo uh, twins. <laughs> yeah the weird twins and <laughs> it should be a two-day ride but they're gonna like winnow and walk and winnow and walk and they get there in about a day and pharaoh is frustrated because they're slowed down by all the winnowing because one of the twins is slow af and just like can't go too far in one winnow jump or whatever you call it which like bold of you to be so annoyed when you just learned how to do this yourself era (laughs) but whatever the important part of all of this is basically that favorite and lucian have to winnow in all the supplies and that means the supplies are limited including tents yeah you can see where this is going so the (laughs) the ragtag group has like an awkward dinner around the campfire after they set up camp and jurian heads out for a walk alone which is sketchy but okay and Lucian and Feyre, right? And so Lucian and Feyre head to their tent. <laughs> I hauled myself into the canvas tent when the fire was dying out, the space barely big enough for Lucian and me to sleep shoulder to shoulder. His red hair gleamed in the faint firelight a moment later as he shoved through the flaps and swore, maybe I should sleep out there. 
I rolled my eyes, please. A wary, considering glance as he knelt and removed his boots. You know, Tamlin can be sensitive about things. He can also be a pain in the ass. <laughs> I snapped and <laughs> slithered under the blankets. If you yield to him on every bit of paranoia and territorialism, you'll just make it worse. And then, like, we just keep fucking going, guys. This is where I'm like, what? Lucian unbuttoned his illusion unbuttoned his jacket remained mostly dressed like did we expect anything else like what <laughs> we're gonna have some minky time yeah i was like, I was like what um so yeah illusion unbuttoned his jacket but remained mostly dressed as if that's a shock uh as he slid onto a sleeping roll i think it's made worse because you two haven't i mean you haven't right oh, wow wow yeah, he's just like, you have it, right? And she's like, no, I don't want to be touched like that, not for a while, which is like her excuse. But I mean, like, way to be blunt, my man. But like, I guess is Tamlin's wingman and Feyre's bedroom neighbor. Like, you know, he, like, he, he know. <laughs> right. I did make a side note, though, that this whole conversation gives me, like, for anybody who knows what the hell I'm talking about, gives me, like, mad, like, Kieran Castile vibes. <laughs> Where Kieran's is like way too in the know. <laughs> uh, so we met. Yeah, yes. but, yeah, but I digress. Uh, despite the awkwardness, they actually have a pretty good conversation. Feyre asks Lucian if there's any way that they can back out of the deal with Highburn. And Lucian explains that no, the king structured the bargains that it's bound with magic and will basically hurt Tamlin if he tries to go back on his deal. And Lucian goes into more detail about the whole thing and how magic basically functions on like a once, a ton of, once upon a time, Rumpelstiltskin kind of, you know, plane of magic always comes with a price, dearie kind of thing. Um, and he actually goes on to say, it's why we avoid a bargain unless it's necessary. Even the scholars at the day court don't know how it works. Believe me, I've asked. And Favorite kind of puts it together for me. You ask them for me. And Lucian admits that, yes, he went to the day court to ask for their help to break her bargain with Reese. And she asks why he didn't tell her. And he says, I, we didn't want to give you false hope. And we didn't dare let Reese get wind that we were of what we were doing in case he found a way to interfere to stop it. And like, Feyre doesn't pause here as much as I'd like, because I think there's kind of two parts to this. And okay, Kim, you're better at timelines than I am, but isn't he implying that he went to the day court for their help around like her birthday? Cause he says that they went last winter. He's yep. like, I went last winter. So that would be around her birthday. Birthday ish. Yep. And yep, yep. that means it was before she was ever taken to the night court as part of that deal. Correct. Which means she at the time that lucian went to try to break this deal she would have wanted out of the deal correct so like just saying like i feel like that should mean something to her because like even though like we know now that she doesn't want out of the deal like at that time she would have and also he like turns this into a we statement but like in that slip where he was like, I went, no, we went, we didn't want to give you false to, you know what I mean? I feel like there's a yep, slip yep, yep. admitting that Tamlin wasn't really doing anything to get her out of it. 
Exactly. No, I like, agree. Lucian was doing it. It was his idea. Like he, mm-hmm. Lucian, wanted to get her out of this deal. I agree. And I say this because if I were her, I'd want to, like, if I were her in this part that we are reading just now, finding this information out for the first time, I would want to pause here for a minute, despite my plans, my conniving, and, like, thank him. Yeah. Like, truly, because prior to the inner circle, he is the only friend she's got. I mean, Alice, but that's, like, a different situation. Like, this is the only friend she's got. And I think... Even though in Akamath we see through her eyes that he didn't really do enough, he was, as we are finding out now, doing his best. Right, right, right. But anyway, he basically implies that the months went by and she was, you know, quote, kidnapped. And then he still tried to get Tamlin to give him and the day court time, more time, but Tamlin wouldn't have it. So he went to Highburn. And Lucian let him because, well, he didn't know what else to do. Well, yeah, because he's not a high lord. Right. It's like, what's he going to do? Anyway, Lucian ends up kind of spilling the gravity of the situation after she left. He killed the sentries who'd been on guard. After he got the last bit of information from them, he executed them in front of everyone in the manor. And she's like, you didn't stop him. And he's like, I tried. I begged him for mercy. He didn't listen. He couldn't listen. And she's like, the other centuries didn't try to stop him. He's like, no, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't dare. And he says, Feyre, he's a high Lord. He's a different breed. And then she's kind of, you know, like, oh, I wonder like, what do you say about me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's just like a fair, you know, thought. But basically, Farah kind of, you know, wraps this whole conversation up by saying, well, you know, I hate them. And he's like, yeah, well, me too, get in line. <laughs> She's like, even if they are now our allies, I still hate them. And he's just like, yep, <laughs> me too. <laughs> and we get a snowflake. Every time, every time you do that, I totally get like this. And I say it too. You know what happens? You saw Wayne's World, right? Mm-hmm. You know the part where they do the... Oh, <laughs> yes. Now I'm going to picture that every time because it's so accurate. <laughs> I can't help myself. Like every time. I've been doing this now for two, two, two books. That's <laughs> hilarious. I'm all Sorry. about it. No, you're fine. Oh, Oh, Lord. So uh, in case you forgot, the whole conversation was like in a tent. And Feyre and Lucian are now (laughs) awoken by Jurian, who's like pulling the tent open and telling them to get up. I guess he like kind of grimaces at them because he's like, ew, they're struggling. So anyway, they're just kind of like, and they, you know, like roll up their bedrolls or whatever and like GTFO. But then like this conversation fucking happens. The princess, you know, the Dudette twin, the princess gave me a cold, thin smile. I'd pick Baron's son too. I stared at the princess beneath lowered brows. She shrugged her smile growing. Autumn court males have fire in their blood and they fuck like it too. I suppose you'd know from experience is Feyre's, you know, genius response. <laughs> she says, why do you think I had so much fun in the war? 
okay wild conversation but also just like okay <laughs> like okay i mean i guess to me like the hilarious part about this is like when she's like i'd pick baron's son too and it's like compared to tamlin like girl wouldn't we all but uh you know what do i know but apparently this like it really like sticks in Farrah's head because later when they're walking, Farrah gets this like funny look on her face and she can't look Lucian in the eye, which I call BS on because like given the whole thing we were talking about earlier where I feel like, I guess we talked about it last episode where it's like they're a little bit too close and touchy-feely for us to pretend that there's not like at least a little bit of something there. Kind of call yep. BS on this, but you know, like why would she be so just dis- like, I don't know. I'm just saying like, you're really going to tell me that Pharaoh, who like used to be a human, was not at any time actually made it to Tamlin, just like basically dating the dude. Never once was like, mm, yeah, I could, I could fuck Lucian. He's pretty good looking. Like bullshit. I call bullshit. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> whatever, Pharaoh. You're, you're lying you're to saying, us all. <laughs> you're saying she would, uh, she would nail that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But anyway, she's looking all awkward as fuck. And Lucian's like, what? And she's like, nothing. And uh, luckily she snapped out of it and can, doesn't have to like discuss it because Jurian, who is up ahead of them now as they travel along, swears and they hear him pull out his sword. And when they catch up to him, well, staring right at us through the hole were three children of the blessed. Oh, lovely. Yep. And that ends chapter six. Womp womp. So chapter seven, creepy twins are practically licking their lips over the children. There is like this weird line here worth reading where it says, Jurian had his sword out, the two young women and one young man gaping between him and the others. Then at us, their eyes widening further as they noted Lucian's cruel beauty. (laughs) Do with that what you will. But basically it's just worth noting how gorgeous Farrah finds everyone but Tamlin. (laughs) all times <laughs> all times <laughs> even when she was in love with him <laughs> i know i'm still so bothered by that <sighs> the children of the blessed drop to their knees twins still looking like they're gonna eat them and jurian who is like weirdly looking torn asks them what in the hay diddle they're doing there we have come to dwell in the immortal lands we have come as tribute and right about now we're all like so wait spring court eats little kids <laughs> like what <laughs> at least that's what jurian wants to know as he turns to lucian who clears it up we accept no tribute from the human lands least of all children <laughs> so phew <laughs> oh away yeah the twins try to get the kids to take the last steps through the wall but favor shoves them aside telling them that they need to like get out and go back to their families and never return or they're sure to die and they're all just kind of shocked and they tell her that like they've come to live in peace and well no truer words have been ever spoken than when she tells them there is no such thing here there's only death for your kind which you know like accurate so accurate when she notices that one of the kids is making goo goo eyes the dude twin she decides that they're really like not going to go on their own so she slams into their minds and fills them with terrifying images Though she does kind of mess around in their heads first to figure out a little bit about like why they're really here. And it turns out that they're just like actually looking for a way out, which is sad. 
one of the girls is trying to escape an arranged marriage. The other is like trying to escape poverty and abuse. And the boy was living on the streets, presumably, but she still can't let them in. So she plants the images and they end up just kind of like sputtering about how they've, oh, oh, we've, we've, we've made a mistake before they take off. The twins who tried to convince the kiddos otherwise before they made their exit act as if they may charge through the wall until Farah steps in and is all, if you pursue them, then you and I will have a problem. And she drags her mental talons down the dudette twins shield to make a point. So the twinsies resume whatever the heck they were doing before the drama. And Farah is suddenly accompanied by a male presence that she was sure was going to be Lucian. And then she quickly identifies it is not Lucian and it is Durian. Thank you, he says. And Farah plays dumb. I don't know what you're talking about. And Durian just smirks at her, knowing what she did. And she heads back to Lucian's side, who is also not stupid and clearly has his own suspicions. Yeah, well, you know. And then we get Snowflake. (laughs) And then I can't sum it better up than Sarah G. Mass did, so I'm just going to read it. They took all day. Whatever it is they were inspecting, whatever they were hunting for, the royals didn't inform us. So there you know. Now you know what we know, which is nothing. (laughs) Oh, you know. So, yeah. Therefore, to spend another night out there, and Feyre finds herself alone this time by the fire with Jurian. The twins have disappeared into their tent, which, ew. And Lucian had gone to fetch some water. And the sentries were doing whatever the hell sentries do, given these people are like, I don't understand. I do not understand. Kim, explain this to me. What the fuck do we have sentries for if we are like high fucking Faye who could clearly do more than any of these fucking sentries could do if there was a problem? Uh, appearances? Yeah, that's all I got. I have no idea. But I, I mean, appearances, maybe do some hunting, but really... Yeah, it beats the hell out of me, but I digress. (laughs) After a few moments alone in silence, Jurian asks Pharaoh what happened to the children of the blessed who come through the walls. And she tells him that she doesn't know. As a human, she only knew that those who went through never came back. And now that she's on the other side, she's never actually seen any, likely due to the creatures that prowled the place during Amarantha's reign of terror. So there's that. Mm -hmm. So basically, we get this whole exchange 500 years ago they'd have been flogged for that nonsense jurian said we were their slaves and horrors and laborers for millennia men and women fought and died so we'd never have to serve them again yet there they are in those costumes unaware of the danger the history careful or you might not sound like highburn's faithful pet a low Mm -hmm. hateful laugh that's what you think i am isn't it his dog what's the end goal then I have unfinished business. Miriam is dead. Anyway, so they have this whole conversation where basically Feyre's like, well, you know, Miriam's dead or, you know, at least my understanding is that she left. And basically mm-hmm. she says that her impression is that Miriam left because Jurian got so busy trying to get info out of Lithia that he lost sight of the real conflict. And it turns out like not true, according to Jurian anyway, who basically admits he was hoping that at this point he could draw her out so that he can make her regret it. (laughs) Which, um, 
brings them to like a come to Jesus moment, essentially. Mm-hmm. Where Pharaoh points out, you get a second shot at life and that's what you wish to do, revenge. And Jorian smiles slowly. Isn't that what you're doing? And she's thinking months of working with Reese had me remembering to fur my brow in confusion against Reese. I would one day like it. And he's like, okay, I'm a lay into this. You ready for some truth? <laughs> That's what they all say when they pretend he's a sadistic murderer. You forget. I knew him in the war. You forget. He risked his legion to save Miriam from our enemy's fort. That's how Amarantha captured him. You know, Reese knew it was a trap for Prince Draken. So Reese went against orders and marched his whole legion to get Miriam out for his friend, for my lover, and for that bastard's sake. Reese sacrifices Legion in the process, got all of them captured and tortured afterward. Yet everyone insists Reese and is soulless, wicked. But the male I knew was the most decent of them all. Better than that prick prince. You don't lose that quality no matter the centuries. And Reese was too smart to do anything but have the vilification of his character be a calculated move. And yet here you are, his mate, the most powerful high lord in the world, lost his mate and has not yet come to claim her, even when she is defenseless in the woods. Perhaps that's because Resand has not lost you at all, but rather unleashed you upon us. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, Sorry. like Jorian has said like six words for like the last week and now all of a sudden he truth bombs that shit out of nowhere and <laughs> Feyre just like contemplates for a moment thinking, mm, yeah, that pretty much sounds like something Reese would do. I mean, uh, boy, howdy, does that sound like something Reese would do? But she denies oh, it. Ooh. Only yeah. for Jorian to say maybe, you know, my favorite line of the whole chapter. Highburn will kill you, all of you. And I love it because it's like the perfect episode ender, you know, like. Yeah, for like TV. Away. Yeah, for TV. And I think it tells you what you need to know about Jurian, which is this whole interaction. It just kind of. All is not as it seems. No, <laughs> but no. the danger, Highburn that part is yes like hyper will like they will kill them all no question about it yep but jurian you know like his stance in the whole thing mm, up for debate anyway point is is i just think it's lovely in its intensity it's a really interesting moment but moving on so <laughs> the next morning pharaoh wakes up to lucian's hand over her mouth and no not in a fun kinky way in a shut the shiznit up shit has hit the fan kind of way <laughs> so yeah so yeah anyway there's blood mm -hmm. everywhere they can smell it mm -hmm. you remember face senses people yeah, to say the least. I don't know why we don't talk about how everything stinks more often, but we had that conversation, I think, during Akatar. So I won't open that back up for discussion, but I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure the world is a stinky place. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I always laugh when I, I talk about, you know, people talk about historical times. Oh, it couldn't have been that bad. I'm like, do you know why they invented perfume? 
yeah you know the truth and we could use that here because yeah like you said oh nastiness everywhere anyway so this is what we get a glance from him communicated our plan well enough play casual until we assess the situation i had a heartbeat to realize that this was perhaps the first time he and i had worked in tandem hunting had never been a joint effort and under the mountain had been one of us looking out for the other never a team a unit which like I think is really interesting because like I hadn't like mm-hmm. thought about it until this point and like it is true until now one of them has always like relied on the other and now they're gonna have to work together but like what makes this more interesting is kind of like what she then says about the whole thing next like Reese he usually opted for words to win his battles but I'd seen him and Tamlin in the practice ring he knew how to handle a weapon how to kill if need be Mm-hmm. And this, friends, this is when my brain exploded because for some reason on the first read, not so much, but this time my brain exploded because I realized that this is why I and likely so many others actually loved Lucian in the first book. Because in Akatar, oh. there isn't really any Reese, like not as we know him and love him now, anyways, like not until the end, right? right. right? So in book right. one, Lucian is our Reese. Yep. He's snarky, attractive, smart, just out of reach. He's mysterious and lonely and, you know, broken in a way we don't understand. <laughs> That's right. So, I mean, that basically makes him the Reese of book one. <laughs> yep. I which, like is, it. which is, I think, like what makes his lack of action for favorite in Akamath so fucking annoying. Um, yeah. I agree. But I like his art, like, a lot. Like, he's come really far in these first couple of chapters of this book. And I'm here for it. I want a Lucian book. (laughs) I mean, I think. I was going to say, I don't know. I probably won't get one. But I'd settle for an Elaine book with heavy Lucian. How about that? (laughs) Well, I think that's what is going to happen. I think I could take it. I could take it. Anyways, they go into the campsite and Durant is stirring the embers of a fire and he's brooding and these sentries are pale and well, there are no signs of the twins. And that's because, quote, you're too late, says Durian. They finished two hours ago. It turns out the twins, yeah, they didn't listen so well to Pharaoh's direct orders not to stop the children through the wall. So they did just that and brought them back and tortured them. Yeah. And then killed them. Yeah. So not knowing what else to do, Feyre covers what she can of the young man that she finds, you know, our young child of the blessed man friend. Uh, She covers his torso, just to be disgusting, uh, with her cloak. And then she turns and finds that Lucian is doing the same for the two young women. And Feyre wonders out loud whether the twins did this for sport or to send a message. And Lucian equates basically what happened to a temper tantrum before he assures her, you aren't to blame. They could have killed them out in the mortal lands, but they brought them here to make a statement about their power. And Mm Fair asks if he thinks that they should bury the bodies. And Lucian tells her that it would send a message. They're willing to clean up any messes that Hybern makes. So they plan to send their own message. (laughs) And that's the end of chapter seven. (laughs) (laughs) Plotty, plotty fingers, guys. Plotty, plotty, plotty fingers. (laughs) 
plotting fingers. I'm into it. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much all of this like part one of Akalor could be summed up as Feyre has plotty fingers. Um, <laughs> plotty fingers. Also, Sorry. maybe the name of this episode. Um, <laughs> anyway uh chapter eight i like it chapter eight man tamlin is well in this scenario he's like the principal and lucian and fair are the kiddos who like threw some other kids in a locker and they've been called to the principal's office but worse because um see long story short they sent the boggy after the shitty twins to send a message <laughs> which like i admittedly think is pretty funny i like it i'd do it but the actual conversation that damlin has and this whole fucking like the way this works itself out because tamlin is such an ass is just infuriating you don't get to speak to me like that you promised you wouldn't act this way you have no idea what's at risk don't you talk down to me, not after what I went through to get back here to you, to our people. You think any of us are happy to be working with Highburn? You think I don't see it in their faces? The question of whether I am worth the dishonor of it? His breathings turned ragged and good. I wanted to urge him. Good. You sold us out to get me back, I said, low and cold. You hoard us out to get high. You hoard us out to Highburn. Forgive me if I am now trying to regain some of what you lost. Like, wow, she's really, like, going in for it. Because you'll see, Feyre figures if she can, like, you know, egg him on, he's going to do exactly what, well, you expect him to do, which is, you know, his claws slide free. A feral growl rippled out of him. They hunted down and butchered those humans for sport, I went on. You might be willing to get out on your, you might be willing to get on your knees for Highburn, but I certainly am not. And he explodes like you expect. Like she played him perfectly to make him react exactly how we all would expect. Yeah, she did. Go Pharaoh. Uh, Because she figures like if she lets herself get all beat up, maybe this time, <laughs> this is the logic I don't really get. She thinks if she lets herself get all beat up, then maybe this time people will have sympathy for her. And like, honestly, I'm just not really sure why she thinks it's going to work given like nobody except for Alice really noticed how Tamla treated her the first go around yeah things are a little different now yeah i don't know anyway lucian the good boy he is comes in to save our girl and demands from tamlin what have you done (laughs) and (laughs) i guess tamlin is aware he fucked up this time what with Farah internally describing tamlin being the face of devastation as lucian literally pushes him aside to help Farah up which like sidebar i mean i know like what just happened <laughs> so it's like to be expected that he'd come to her side but like lucian really does care about Farah a lot for someone who is like given his relationship with tamlin like kind of almost i get the feeling not supposed to yeah you know what i mean like tamlin I doesn't do. want lucian and Farah to be friends from what i can see <laughs> and for somebody who more or less is like like Farah gives Lucian a lot of crap for basically Tamlin being Tamlin's lapdog but like for someone who is basically Tamlin's lapdog he's not 
like he doesn't behave very well <laughs> you know I mean? yeah he's not a very well trained dog <laughs> oh but whatever he leads her like lucian leads her out of the room to get cleaned up but on, on their way but but here's the big thing she didn't shield herself and this is something you didn't say but we right. didn't talk about the fact she doesn't shield herself she lets herself have right. the shit kicked out of her. Well, exactly. Because that's why, yeah, that's why I was going to read like the description we get oh, as they I'm walk sorry. away. Oh, you're fine. No, because you're right. She didn't shield herself, but that's why she get like, we why we get this description. As Lucian led me past a gilded hall mirror, I beheld what had drawn such horror. My eyes were glassy, my face pallid, save for the scratch just beneath my cheekbone, perhaps two inches long and leaking blood. Little scratches peppered my neck, my hands, but I willed that cleansing healing power, that of the high lord of the dawn to keep from seeking them out, from smoothing them away. So yeah, like she, you know, did let herself get beat the fuck up. <laughs> she sure did. Yeah. Tamlin kind of tries to, you know, <laughs> at least say her name because he's got nothing else. Let's be real. True. So he says, Pharaoh. I halted, aware of every eye that watched. I'm fine. I whispered. I'm sorry. I wiped at the blood dribbling down my cheek. I'm fine. I told him again. No one, not even Tamlin, looked convinced. And if I could have painted that moment, I would have named it a portrait <laughs> in snares and baiting. <laughs> Which is like brutal. <laughs> it is. I love it. It's evil. Like, yeah, like I'm kind of all for it, but it's also like kind of extreme. <laughs> Just a bit. Well, it's because like she didn't make Tamlin do it. You know what I mean? But like it's no. kind of like a sting operation where like you kind of always wonder if like the dude buying the guns illegally would have done it if they hadn't set up such a perfect scenario. You know? Yeah. Like he would, you know, you, you always kind of feel like people get set up a little bit. I mean, she did set Tamlin up a little bit. Nah. Yeah, but yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah. basically, it's one of those scenarios where it's like, in real life, this would be kind of shitty to do to someone. But like, this is not real life. So, you know, I'm here for it. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Okay. Anyways, we get a snowflakey. And now Reese and Favorite are checking in on each other because, well, Reese clearly felt this shiznit on his side of the bond, right? Do you blame him? I'd be going with the hell, babes. Right. So we get like the little mind text message exchange and it's vaguely, are you hurt? Nope, just sore. And then he says a line that's been highlighted a bunch per Kindle. I know better than to tell you to be careful or to come home, but I want you home soon. And I want him dead for putting a hand on you. <laughs> With y'all, Reese, we missed you. We can't wait to come home either. Though I've been thoroughly <laughs> amused and enjoying myself with Lucian. So, I mean, I could, things could be worse. <laughs> So Favor plays with him, pointing out that technically Tamlin didn't lay any hands on her. <laughs> but Reese is like, yeah, great. Thanks for the humor. Take care of yourself, asshole. <laughs> like, not really, but basically. <laughs> and 
and then they sent some images to each other because apparently, you know, they can do this. And like a six-year-old, she sends an image of herself sticking her tongue out at him. And then like a 16-year-old boy, he sends back an image of his tongue doing well, something else you can guess. Anyway, smells like again. <laughs> the next day, Farrah took a ride with Hart and Braun while they were on duty so that they could escort her. Uh, and she does this so she can make a point, which is she wants them to look at her bruises. They want She wants her, them to look at how like fucked up she looks because she wants to win their favor. But like I said before, I feel like her like plans, quote unquote, like air quotes around plans, um, kind of seem to just rely on luck at this point. Like, I really yeah. feel like if they didn't give too many fucks at the beginning of Akamath, I'm not really sure why she is, like, so banking on them giving fucks now. I but don't know. Yeah, but anyway, she lets us know internally that Tamlin, like, yesterday had begged her forgiveness at dinner, and she'd given it to him, but Lucian was still pissed. And, I mean, he's a good egg, so I can't blame him. Like, he's, he's doing what he should do. He's, he's pissed that Tamlin lost his shit as one should hurt her right and jury and the twins i guess are just annoyed because their trip has been delayed while favor heals well and (laughs) they're just probably like jesus what the hell also i mean i'm sorry i still really don't understand like if they can win oh what (laughs) okay maybe this is me just getting too far into the weeds here but if they can winnow, what the fuck do they need to stay here and be guests for? Couldn't they just like winnow in daily and then like winnow back the fuck home and do whatever they wanted to at night and then winnow back? Like the fuck they got to be house guests for? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, what do I know? She makes, <laughs> she makes a choice. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> uh, I'm trying to like just trust through this chapter a little bit because it's kind of long. Um, Feyre basically decides she's going to invite Ianthe over to the house and be like, I want company, which like, ew, but you know, um, it, uh, even though I'm trying to struggle along, I kind of got to read this because you got to get the whole picture. I'd invited Ianthe over to the house, subtly requesting her comforting presence. She arrived knowing the full details of what had transpired in the study, letting it conveniently slip that Tamlin had confessed it to her, pleading for absolution from the mother and the cauldron and whoever else. I prattled about my own forgiveness to her that evening and made a show of taking her good counsel, telling the courtiers and others that at our crowded table that night about how lucky we were to have Tamlin and Andy guarding our lands. Honestly, I don't know how none of them connected it, how none of them saw my words as not a strange coincidence, but a dare, a threat, that last little nudge, especially when seven Naga broke into the estate grounds just past midnight. I repeat, our girl is like wild at this point. She was just like really trying to fuck shit up. So, I mean, like rightfully so, Tamla kind of deserves it. But I guess my whole thing is I'm just starting to feel like this whole situation where she's like, I set them up. I don't know how they didn't see it. Blah, 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 blah. I just like, okay, okay, hear me out. Like go on this journey with me. It kind of reminds me of that Brian Regan sketch about Pop-Tarts where Brian Regan is like, have you ever read the back of the Pop-Tart package where it's, you know, like it has the directions for what to do with a Pop-Tart. And he's like, yeah, there's three steps. And he's like, I don't understand how there's three steps because I can only think of one, toast the (laughs) Pop-Tart. Like that open package. 
<laughs> exactly. They got like open the package, place the pastry in the toaster, wait for it to pop, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I can only think of one toast the pop tart. And like, I really feel like favor is out here doing the most when I can only think of like one fucking step. Send the info to Reese about the spring court's plans with Highburn. Period. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this whole thing where she's like, especially like they didn't plan it they didn't see anything coming especially when the seven naga broke into the estate grounds like bitch you really doing the most (laughs) i really feel like i can only think of one step and that is toast the pop tart like i just (laughs) yeah i don't know i just really feel like this bitch has gone off the rails like this just seems so like so many steps and I'm not really confident. I understand to what end. I mean, I do, but it just all feels like it's relying on a lot of luck and I'm not into that. But anyways, moving on from my weird connection to Pop Tarts. <laughs> the Naga attacked and Feyre, I guess like hid in her room per like the loser spring court Feyre she's pretending to be. And Tamlin himself comes like all bloodied and nasty after the fighting off the Naga to tell her that the attack is over. And apparently this all has to do with that set of keys that I mentioned that I like kind of just threw in there. And then I was like, yeah, I don't know. They didn't fucking tell me either. Yeah. Well, apparently it all has to do with these keys. And now we're like, oh shit, the sentry lost them. And, and you know, now Tam is like, oh, if this is all his fault for losing the keys and for not guarding the place. And I don't know, he's just losing his shit. And they like fucking string this dude up. Okay. Like I shit you not. Tamlin's reaction to a fucking sentry losing some keys is to string the motherfucker up. Okay. Yep. Like I'm just so mind blown. So Tamlin tells the sentry it's all his fault that the Naga attacked. He was supposed to be watching. He shouldn't have lost his keys. He shouldn't have fallen asleep on the job, et cetera, et cetera. The important part of this is that Tamlin has decided to deal with the situation in the shittest way ever. He holds his hand out for a whip, which Braun has to hand over, which just like poor Braun, like what a shitty situation. Like this is one of his like sentry buddy dudes. You know what I mean? Not only that, you know, this totally just proves yet again how positively medieval Tamlin is. Exactly. Like, what the fuck? So Tamlin holds his hands out, he gets the whip, and Feyre grabs Lucian's hand, but Lucian's hand, which she points out, like, is, you know, like, kind of for show, but also she's, like, kind of upset about this whole thing. Yeah, and she's, like, a little sickened by what he's about to do, which is whip the guy, obviously, he's got a whip in his hand, but Anthony, who does not need to fucking be there, is the one who tells Tamlin to give this sentry 20 lashes and then one more for the cauldron's forgiveness. Like, what is the point of Tamlin? Like, what is the point of his existence on the planet if all he's going to do is listen to Anthony all the time? Mm. I do not understand. But anyway, Feyre starts playing Daimati again, and she slips into the sentry's mind, and she has him tell Tamlin it was her, meaning Anthe, she took the keys. And like, fucking buckle up, kiddos, because this is about to be something. Here we go. Her face didn't so much as flinch at the accusation, the truth he'd flunked her way. 
I'd been waiting to see how she'd counter my showing of power at the solstice, tracking her movements that entire day and night. Within moments of my leaving the party, she'd gone to the barracks, used some glimmer of power to lull him to sleep and taken his keys, then planted her warnings about the Naga's impending attacks. After, she gave the creatures the keys to the gates so she could sound the alarm last night, so she could save us from a real threat. Clever idea had it not played right into everything I'd laid out. Well, well, damn, like, okay. Feyre gives him a credit because, like, the whole thing is, like, the sentry is trying to get anybody to listen to him. He's trying to accuse Anthony. And, and Feyre gives Tamla credit because he at least pauses, like maybe sorta hearing this guy out. So Feyre then steps forward announcing that she'll listen to the sentry's story, which like, <laughs> duh, Anthony tries to shut down. With all does. due respect, milady, it's not your judgment to make. To which I wish Lucian had been like, you don't speak to my hot lady like that, you asshat. But (laughs) that's the book in my mind and not what actually happens. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know, what a shame. Um, It's okay. Feyre repeats that she will hear him out. And Anthe is like, you're going to listen to a peasant over me? Like, she doesn't literally say that, but she pretty much says that. (laughs) She basically does. She basically does. Um, and ultimately, like I said, I'm trying to like jump ahead a little bit here. Feyre tries to get Tamlin to hear this guy out. And there's like maybe a 2% chance that he would have had the dudette twin not muttered pathetic to the whole thing. So now Tamlin's on the defensive, trying to be all big, mean, scary, high lord guy and decides that he's not going to hear him out and proceeds with the 21 lashes, which to sum it up with a quote, Tamlin stared at me, then Ianthe, then glanced to the smirking Highburn royals, to Jurian, who crossed his arms, his face unreadable. And like I'd gambled, Tamlin's need for control, for strength, won out. So yeah, I mean, basically this all went like you would think it would. <laughs> like, however you thought Tamlin was going to react in these chapters, he pretty much has. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite internally reminds us that... <laughs> this whole kind of wild situation uh, where Talon is basically beating the centuries. Well, he's just one of many centuries. One that may have at one time been sent over the wall as a wolf to find, well, her. And like Talon, like Talon, remember, he had used these men to try to break the curse back in Akatar, sending them to their deaths, right? And this is the way he wants to thank them. But like we said, that's like kind of Farrah's plan, actually. She wants to turn these guys against him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's working. <laughs> anyway as talon starts the actual lashing and anthony is just kind of standing there all smiling smugly thinking she got away with something 
Feyre backs up into Lucian, who she said it says like she fully leans into and he puts his arm around her. And again, you know, reacting about like you'd expect. Tamlin's eyes were on us, on the hand Lucian put on my arm to steady me as he drew back the whip. The thunderous crack as it cleaved the air snapped through the barracks, the estate, through the very foundations of the court. And that's the end of the chapter. So, <sighs> yeah, I mean, basically, Someone I just have a lot of feelings me. because Tamlin's still the asshole we always thought he was. And Ooh. I still love Lucian. And I still think Lucian and Feyre have a weird relationship. They do. <laughs> and I'm here for it. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I just. I have a lot of feelings because I think these chapters are really interesting. I think they give us some really good, like, Feyre Lucian background. I just also feel like they make Feyre look a little crazy. Just a bit. Like, I just sort of feel like she looks a little crazy. <laughs> because I just she feel does. like she's doing the most. Like I said, I can only come up with one step and that is toast the Pop-Tart. <laughs> like... <laughs> I really just feel like we did not need all these extra steps. Like, I just really feel like we are in the weeds with this whole, like, keys, Naga beaten sentries situation. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's all to make a point. We will get there, sort of. But mm-hmm. I also just feel like a lot of this, like I said, just I keep pointing this out. It just, like, all relies on chance. Like most of her steps are just her hoping that when she does or says something that these people will react the way she expects them to. Yep. I agree. I just feel like that's a big gamble. (laughs) Just, just a little. With that, uh, I guess uh, we're, we're up to you, Kim. (laughs) Okie doke. Thanks. Chapter nine. Okay. You know, up, I'm going to get this up front, up front and out. Auntie's a bitch. She's just a total, complete, major, raging bitch. She has no redeeming qualities. She does. She has zero redeeming qualities, people. Um, anyway, Sarah knew that Auntie wasn't going to take all this laying down and that she was going to retaliate. She knew. And she's been waiting. And Ianthe does just that. And because she believed she had a, a foothold in the house with Tamlin and had gotten power back, she stayed up at the house and did her thing, only really making herself in many ways looked worse because after this whipping happened, Feyre's the one who's going down to help take care of the guy. She's the right, one who's right. been checking in. And Ianthe's acting like she's above it all and better than it. And, you know, Feyre, you know, she's really, she's really working. Her plan is really in motion at this point. And it was after they had taken the, the soldier back, the sentry back to the barracks and tended to his wounds and everything. And Braun and Hart personally walk her back to the to the manor. And because they are not assholes. 
because they are not assholes. And, you know, they actually, and I want to read this because it it says this, it says, then apologized that I hadn't been able to, she goes, I thank them each by name. And then I apologized that I hadn't been able to prevent it. I ain't the scheming or the unjust punishment of their friend. I meant every word. The crack of the whip was still echoing in my ears. Then they spoke the words I'd been waiting for. They were sorry they hadn't stopped any of it either, not just today, but the bruises now fading at last, the other incidents. So as horribly manipulative as fair is being of the spring court, she really is in many ways still the better person, especially in relationship to both Ianthe and Tamlin. Mm-hmm. And Apparently, Ianthe, because she's staying at the house now, um, because she thinks she's got the upper hand, keeps making her her other move. And so they go to dinner, and Ianthe announces that she and Tamlin are going to go to the third and final uh, split in the wall with Brenna and Dagda and Jurian and Feyre and Lucian and whatever centuries they bring along. Okay. And Pharaoh's like, all right, fuck this shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> Basically is what it boils down to after dinner. Pretty much. She she gets back to her room and she's packing her bag for the little trip they're gonna take. And Alice comes in with a third pack of bag with a third pack in her hands that she packed for her. She's like, since it's a longer trip, I brought you supplies wink wink yeah because she's you know got her shit together unlike everybody else in the spring court <laughs> oh yeah she's really figured it all out Poor, god bless alice she has actually put two and two together and you know they're doing their regular nightly thing where alice is doing her hair and getting her ready for bed and alice then says when you leave tomorrow i leave too my nephews are packed the pony's ready to take us back to summer court territory at last. It has been too long since I saw my home, she said, though her eyes shone. I know the feeling was all I said. I wish you well, lady, Alice said, settling, setting down the brush and beginning to braid back my hair. For the rest of your days, however long they may be, I wish you well. I let her finish the plate, then pivoted on the bench to grip her thin fingers in mine. Don't ever tell Tarquin you know me well. Her brows rose. There's a blood ruby with my name on it. I clarified. So, yeah. there's a there, there's a like a mic drop because um, you know Pharaoh's like, yeah, you're going back to the summer court, but you can't tell them you know me because, yeah, no bad, <laughs> big bad. Um, big ugly dad yeah I yeah <laughs> yeah and that's got to be awkward for Alice because Alice has got to be thinking like what the fuck did you do <laughs> exactly <laughs> like how'd you manage like Tarquin's pretty chill like, <laughs> and you're pretty cool what the hell right like what the fuck <laughs> um and and Alice I mean she knows what it means. She certainly is more than aware of the gravitas of the situation. 
and you know she she does respond and she says blood rubies or no you will always have one friend in the summer court favor's response was this my throat bobbed and you will always have one in mine i promised her she knew which court i meant and did not look afraid so we get this very sweet little basically a goodbye between them though I always want to know what happens to Alice and all right, people, I'm, I'm not going to lie. And Kelsey, I'll tell you this. We don't know at this point, whatever did happen to her, but God, I hope yeah, she's okay. It's kind of weird to be honest. <laughs> like, I just, it feels like a loose end that never had that thread picked back up. It really so. does. <laughs> it feels like we spent a lot of time on this for it to more or less go nowhere. <laughs> so all I have to say is Sarah, if you're out there listening to this, or if your peeps are out there listening to this, I'm going to put a small bug in your ear. Tell us what happened to Alice. We want to know. I know we're not alone. We're in enough of the fan groups to know. We see these things. I want to know what happened to her, as do many other people. Yeah, for real. So just a thought, okay? Okay. So they said goodbye. We get a snowflake. And they start their journey the next day out to the new final third hole in the wall apparently the sentries are, are completely ignoring tamlin and ianthe <laughs> surprise not as they deserve and um but Farah is acknowledging that this time for the first time winnowing is really hard like she feels like she's she's trying to do it through pea soup or mud or what she just it doesn't feel right like she doesn't have her normal energy right she feels she feels very bogged down and um when they finally do get to camp and make camp instead of sharing the tent with tamlin um ferret decides she's going to share one with ianthe <laughs> and um you know like one does apparently yeah so as she puts in here, she did it more for Lucian than for anything else, which I guess I could kind of. Yeah, which is like kind of sweet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I blame her for wanting to do that either, because we know Ianthe isn't going to try and make a move on her. So, yeah, I right. guess it makes sense. And she, she she says she, you know, she she has this one night. She has the knife that she's been carrying with her the whole time. And she's like. In here she goes lying beside Ianthe without slitting her throat was an exercise in patience and control. <laughs> I can understand that. I I honestly don't know if I'd have exercised that kind of patience and control under the same circumstances. So you go, okay. Farah. If it were me, we wouldn't be having this problem because she wouldn't have made it uh, to live this long. Like she would not have survived after the wedding incident. <laughs> Okay, if it enough. were me, there would be an anthe-sized hole in the backyard of the spring court. And people would be like, where'd she go? And I'd be like, on holiday, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Get I haven't heard pig. from her in a while. <laughs> Get me a pig. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no. You know, when I would have done it, I would have I would have waited, especially after what Ianthe does to her sisters, when she comes back. And I just wouldn't have even... Like I wouldn't have allowed the rest of it to have even happened. I'd have just, yeah. Oh I'd no, have, I'd be I'd pretty have... embarrassed after that wedding incident. I'm pretty sure I would have dug a hole right then. 
Yeah, but Feyre doesn't have the power to do it. I mean... And so I'm thinking about, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm thinking long-term that mm-hmm. Feyre has the skills and the power now when she get, comes back to the spring court. And personally, if I were her, I would, I'd be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be thinking about Dianthe size grave and I would be finding me a pig to get rid of all the final evidence after I killed her. Ain't that the truth? Because girlfriends, girlfriend don't play. Yeah. Yeah. She got to go. So, yeah. She got to go. But that's me personally. That's what I would have done. Though it does give her a nice convenient out so she doesn't have to share a tent with Tamlin because otherwise I don't know if she'd have been able to get around that. You know? Fair point. Fair point. So anyway, although I don't see why, because they don't share a bedroom. <laughs> Apparently, we haven't found that weird. <laughs> well, you know, she's keeping up the pretense of she's not ready yet, but whatever. Apparently, what keeps her from killing Ianthe is she keeps thinking about the inner circle and her sisters, and that's how she literally keeps herself from basically killing Ianthe in her sleep. And she says in here, she says, my goal is bigger than revenge. My purpose greater than personal retribution. Interesting. Now I want to see where this actually goes because while it's a really interesting thing to say and I understand it, I don't know if I totally... I don't feel like this was totally fleshed out properly as the story goes on. Yeah. Uh, I sort of, okay. I sort of suspect what, <laughs> sort of suspect what happened was we wrote this book by we, I mean, you know, SPM sat here and she uh, wrote her book and she was like, here we go. It is 4,000 pages long. <laughs> and her editor was like, no, it is not. <laughs> And we had to decide what was going to go and some shiznit in the beginning of this book just had to go because I think probably there had to be, and, and I say that sort of in jest, she may not have even bothered to write it. She may have storyboarded it and then been like, nah, got to get some of this out of here, but she may have very easily written some that got cut. And the reason I say this is because I think we take just long enough to get back to the night court that if it had taken much longer, some people wouldn't have made it. <laughs> some readers wouldn't have made it that far (laughs) because if you went to in the weeds with all of this like Ianthe nonsense like I could have lost my interest real quick totally fair I agree so I think some of this like could have been flushed out better may have been flushed out better and then people were like now you gotta cut some you gotta cut x number of pages by Thursday and she was like okay here's this chunk I mean, I guess my whole thing is, is, you know, you put you put a statement like that out there, though, and I kind of want to go, I mean, yes, it's there, and yes, I see part of it, but we really don't totally get this flushed out. I mean, I understand, but I also feel like we are now on book three, and we still don't really understand why the Morgan is the, uh, you know, speaker of the truth, even though she lies really well, and it doesn't ever seem to uh, come full circle. So I just have to trust that sometime we will get a uh, explanation, or we just won't. That's okay, too. I know. <laughs> I know. But again, just, you know, this, this stuck out to me this time, like, really kind of was like, yeah. huh. I, hadn't, I mean, like, I knew it was there, but 
wow, that really, and you know, I've read the series enough times that I guess that's part of the reason why I'm like, hmm. right. This never does get answered fully, does it? <laughs> the statement gets made, but it's never fully, yeah. Okay. Not. Anyway. Um, Pharaoh does everything she can to convince herself not to, to kill Ianthe yet again in the morning. And actually, Ianthe wakes up because Pharaoh's holding the knife in her hand, staring at her. <laughs> all I have to say is that would have been, that, that's going to be a fun thing to see on TV. That's all I got to say about that. I can't wait. Um, but she does, she does say something interesting. She's like, in her internal monologue, Farrah says, I wasn't sure it, I'd been born with the ability to forget, not for terrors inflicted on those I loved. For myself, I didn't care, not nearly as much. But there was some fundamental pillar of steel in me that could not bend or break in this, could not stomach the idea of letting these people get away with what they'd done. Okay. I guess I see it. It makes sense, especially what we'll discuss in the next episode because Lucian does call her out on a few things right, so I guess right. it does make sense interesting that she has that moment of self-actualization there she has weird moments like that at the most inopportune times I mean at least we're not, like <laughs> at least we're not fucking fighting a weaver this time true she's just contemplating whether or not to slit Ianthe's neck yeah, I mean <laughs> and like is there really a wrong answer there if you accidentally lose it and you did like so no <laughs> i'd have played it off like it was a nightmare yeah oh my god ptsd okay yeah me too <laughs> hey you know i'd have been like i'd have been like in this fictional world can we get away with this probably i mean would it fly in the real world not so much but you know that's why uh, hey. fantasy exists <laughs> that's right so we get a little snowflake because ianthe wakes up and does her oh shit moment but Farrah does realize she's at least slightly scared Ianthe so go Farah. so Lucian and Tamlin show our creepy weird twins where the break in the wall was and Farah, being Farah, decides she's gonna keep an eye on them and she's sitting there eating an apple while weirdo one and weirdo two uh do their thing at the wall right and you know, Farah's trying to like interject her thoughts and she's doing the whole, you know, I do this too. This is the whole I would pick of all of them because, you know, it's closer to the continent and, you know, this, that, and the other. And she's literally eating this apple and it's kind of creepy because the, the weird twins are kind of watching her really intently eat this apple. So I don't know about you, but I find it kind of weird and kind of creepy that that they're. Well, I just feel like, and we'll get to this obviously, but I sort of feel like uh, Farah is really observant, but doesn't take action well. Like there's like a disconnect where she will observe the fact that they are staring at her and that this is weird, but then she doesn't stop doing what she's doing, which is kind of her downfall. Uh, yeah, boy, is it because boy, does it come back to bite her in the ass in a little while. Um, and, and, you know, 
they they make the comment of you know but they have more access to the high lord supplies and this that the other and she acknowledges that tamlin and jurian are off hunting to get fresh food supplies for camp that night because they don't have enough food for everybody to eat because there's so many of them and she didn't know where lucian and the centuries or even ianthe were and she's thinking to herself this is good because it makes it easier for me to get away and as she's cutting through it and she's doing her thing you know she's she's she finally tells him she goes you know, I'd say go for this one, really. I just, I would. That's the one I would go for. And the the weird twins are like, what do you know? And she's like, you guys talk louder than you realize. And unless you want to risk the other courts having time to rally and intercepting you before you can cross the street, I'd pick this one because it's, you know, if you think about it, it really is the furthest away from where all the other courts are and have access to. So it, it from a logical point of view, favor makes sense, right? And the, the stupid weird twins think that they have the upper hand. And so they go to, they, they let their hand show. And so they're like, this is not about army. So I'll trust you, Branna, the female. Goes, this is not about army. So I will trust you to keep that mouth shut until we have use for you. And Favor's like, you mean to tell me all of this nonsense hasn't been to find a place to break through the wall and use the cauldron to also transport the mass of your armies here. And she's like, the cauldron is not for transporting armies. It is for remaking worlds. It is for bringing down this hideous wall and reclaiming what we were. And Pharaoh goes, I think with that, I think that with an army of 10,000, you wouldn't need any magical objects to do her, her dirty work. Our army is 10 times that girl, Branna sneered, and twice that number if you count our allies and Balahan, Montessere, and Rask. And Fair realizes that's 200,000. Oh, shit. That's a lot. Like, a lot more than Reese was yeah. counting. Yeah. I mean... I don't know. I have a hard time in fantasy books and like TV, like conceptualizing, like when they're like, that's more than I was thinking. It's like, is it though? Like, is it really like, okay, say it again. How many is it? It's 2000. You said no, 200. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That is probably kind of a lot. I don't know. I have a hard time with populations and fantasy books. This is like when you watch Lord of the Rings and you're like, I'm still feeling like there was no way that these like six people you're like i feel like this was not a fair fight like i don't understand like i'm just trusting the math when they're like oh it's fine we brought in you know these peeps from here and these peeps from there and like honest to god if it weren't for the uh trees chucking shit i don't think they would have won but that's beside the point um i'm just saying I, I, I have a hard time conceptualizing these things when they're like that's a lot or that's not as many as i thought or that's more than i thought or it's like okay what is the population because apparently there's like 12.3 people in the spring court <laughs> there's like those lies. three water rates and they moved and <laughs> like, 
So I don't know. I don't understand. I just, I'm like, what is it? Like 2,000, 200,000, 206. It really doesn't, you know, you know, doesn't really matter. The point is, is like, yeah, they, I feel like the point is, is they're just like, wow, Highburn's got some peeps, the end of story, because I don't yeah. feel like these numbers like mean anything we'd have to know remember when i bitched about the tax structure of the spring yeah. court it's like we yeah. would have to know the population size of every court for this to matter true i agree absolutely <laughs> and the so, thing is is we don't know what the populations on the continent are at all right right so that's why i'm like i don't like none of this really means anything it's like uh-huh <laughs> uh yeah I'm just throwing that out there. Just, it greatly reminds me. I don't know. I just feel like they're a hobbit most of the time. I'm like, what does this mean? (laughs) I feel like Mary and Pippin were constantly just like, "Uh uh-huh. But what does that mean? And that's what it's I feel like. It's a love eat. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel sometimes when I read this stuff. I'm like, uh-huh, but what does that mean, Pharaoh? Like, <laughs> you say the words, but what's the, like, what? where are we getting at here? <laughs> Use I language I can understand. I agree. I mean, I, hey, you know, I'm not the writer. I'm just, I'm just a fan and a reader and I'm just, you know, putting my thoughts out on top of everything else. What can I say? In case it's not obvious, people, I don't like the weird twins. I think they're just, they're weird. They're creepy. If you've ever seen The Shining, it's like the two little twin girls. I don't know. Like, it's not normal. Okay, people? That's all I got to say. Leave it there. I wonder if we did the red rum room, if it would work for these guys. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> I, no. Maybe. <laughs> I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not real sure. I'm not real sure either, like, for TV. Like, I gotta be honest, for TV, I don't even know. I guess we, I mean, we have to assume the show is going to keep more than it gets rid of. I guess we'll keep the weird, creepy incest twins. I just feel like we either have to make them even creepier and weird incest twins for TV sake, or they just get cut all together because they are just in it enough that like, there's just barely enough plot points for them to matter. They could, I guess my point is there could easily be like one of them they don't really need to be creepy incest twins unless we're gonna make them like real creepy you know hey it could be the borg (laughs) right like it doesn't yeah like it doesn't really i guess the point i'm trying to make is like they don't matter in a, like as long as we get through our plot points like whether or not there's one of them two of them they're twins they're not twins it doesn't really matter right no i agree i'm just saying my every time I, I we get to this point, I always just I have that weird like weird twin thing from from the shining with the red yeah. rum room. And I just kind of want to go if we say red rum room fast enough, will it make a difference? Does it help anything? It's worth a shot. It's really worth a shot. You know? At this I mean, point, I say this. I I've stayed at that hotel. Thank you. I have stayed at the Stanley. It's a cool oh. hotel. That's a choice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'd sleep in a box under the highway first. (laughs) Actually, I mean, it's a beautiful old hotel. It's in Estes Park, Colorado. Mike and I stayed there. 
we were out there for his best friend's wedding and we were just dating at the time and we stayed there and it was great because he really wanted, he he's the one who really wanted to stay there I could have cared less right. and I was like oh that's kind of cool and you're gonna laugh because at that point I didn't put it together as the hotel from The Shining do you know what movie I, I thought of it as oh no this is really gonna make you laugh um Dumb and Dumber <laughs> The hotel in that's Colorado funny. That's at the really thing. funny. That's that hotel, by the way. So yes, that that is where I went with it. Oh, okay, that's really funny. But it gets better because we're in the bar that night and we're hanging out and we're we talking to some guys at the bar and these two Brits who had basically sold off all their possessions to kind of like hike around the U.S. and check out all the major sites and they had saved their money and they were staying in the Red Room room that night. <laughs> <laughs> They were like, I just have one wish in life. <laughs> so it was, they were cool guys. We had a great time. Um, I have some good stories from that trip, Mike, and I had a lot of fun. But suffice it to say, I have to say now that, you know, I've been there and I've seen The Shining the whole bit and, and know the story. I'm like, hmm, yeah, Brianna and yeah, Dagda and Brianna make me think of, um, hmm, yeah, we could have the creepy twins. and Yeah. We could do the red rum room thing and maybe it'll work. I don't know. Pharaoh really should have tried it. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe we'd have a little bit of a different outcome. <laughs> you can only hope, right? So, you know, they're 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 still mouthing off and they're like, well, you know, our own fourth is gonna take care of Prithian before uniting uniting up with the others. The cauldron is really gonna guarantee our victory. It's not it's not anything else and I'm just like person personally I get where they feel like they have the upper hand but do they and I feel like they're they're really showing their cards and and yes it's a plot point and I get that but at the same time I was like really wow that's a really easy way to give away a huge chunk of the plot okay and so Feyre's like all right whatever and they go back to them while they're doing their thing and she does finally come back and say well you know this mortal mind did finally manage to solve amarantha's riddle and destroy her and branna just turns back to the wall and says to pharaoh why do you think hybern let her live for so long in these lands better to have someone else do his dirty work and i'm thinking okay and we get a snowflake but before i move on i'm thinking let's face this do we not already have put two and two together here and already have said, hey, hey, we haven't already figured that part out no. after the shit that went down at the end of the last book? No, we don't. We don't learn things. I don't know. I would hope. I would hope. Especially after the shit that went down in the last book, I have a funny feeling at least Resand is smart enough to have started to put that one together. Yeah. I can't speak to anybody else, but I'm pretty sure he has. Yeah. I just also feel like what we know from him from like book one is that like sometimes even when he puts stuff together, he himself doesn't really fully believe it. And he just keeps his mouth shut until he's like, oh, yep. Mm -hmm, yep. Did did know that. Mm, too late now. <laughs> yeah. And I don't I, disagree with that. I feel like he holds saying. his cards a little close and he's like, oh, well, fuck, should have done something with that. <laughs> no, 
I agree. But you know what I mean? Like it just, again, it, this section just felt just a little contrived. Sure. I don't know. Like, whatever. There are other ways they could have handled this, but whatever. So we got that snowflake. Vera is now suddenly packing her shit to get the hell out of Dodge. She is back at the camp in the tent. She's mm-hmm. reducing everything down to one pack because she's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. <laughs> Gotta go. Nobody's around. I'm free to run, basically, which, hey, smart for her, right? Um, so she, she, you know, she's packing up her stuff. And she, she had all this information, finally, to take the resand. She had the purpose, the location, the names of all the other territories involved. I mean, she... she Quite a bit together here so go go Farah. she's packing it up and and as she's getting ready to to go she she's her internal monologue kicks in again we keep talking about how it kicks out of the weirdest places right guys and it's uh she says but more than that i had a people who had lost faith in their high priestess i had sentries who were beginning to rebel against their high lord and as a result of those things I had hybrid royals doubting the strength of their allies here. I'd primed this court to fall, not from outside forces, but its own internal warring. I had to be clear of it before it happened, before the last sliver of my plan fell into place. She knows that they're all going to return back to the house without her, because, as I said, she's packing up to get the hell out of Dodge. And then she apparently had set this trap that she's all proud of herself about because she's doing Daimati skills with the centuries. Right. And she she had said that she she left in his mind that she'd fled for her life after being nearly killed by the hybrid prince and princess. I planted images in his head of my brutalized body, the markings consistent with what Dagden and Brenna had already revealed to be their style. He described them in detail, described how he helped me get away before it was too late. How I ran for my life when Tamlin and Ianthe refused to intervene to risk their alliance with Highburn. So I'm like, you go. You go. It's like, we, we really had a plan. Yeah. We really did. I'm actually impressed. She really did have a plan. So you go, girl. Um, and she's like, you know, she does acknowledge because there would be no further alliance. For there would be no century or denizen of this court who would stand with Tamlin or Aanthe after this, after me. I'm like, okay. As she's going out and she's listening, she's she's checking things out, and she realizes inside Tamlin's tent, she's walking by his tent, and she sees Tamlin had left the bandolier of knives because they get in the way. He was going hunting, he took a bow and arrow and and the knives would get in the way and she grabs the bandolier and she slings it over her chest and it's important because it's kind of well give me a sec your weight was considerable as i slung it across my chest illyrian fighting knives home i was going home so she had it was like it was like i guess kind of wrapping herself in a little bit of Reese and Cassian and Azrael, mm-hmm. you know. You go, girl. Um, I know, so it's kind of cute. It is. It's super cute. I like that little moment. I was like, ooh, ooh, snatch. Um, and then she's getting ready to leave and, and she, she makes it 
about 100 yards. And all of a sudden she can hear Ianthe and, and Lucian. And Lucian's telling Ianthe to get the hell away. And it sounded like everything she had heard before with the memory that Rhysand had shared with her. And it kind of stops her. And she's like, do I stay and help? Do I stay and help? Do I leave? Do I stay and help? Do I leave? She knew Alice and the boys were away and they were safe. And what finally triggers her to stay is, is Alianthe says something to, to Lucian that just kind of pisses off Feyre. And she's like, you don't act that way with Feyre. And of course, Lucian's like, you're mistaken. Okay, but is she? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, is she? Is she? I'm just saying. I know. <laughs> I feel like we keep going there. I just really, I just can't. Something about this still does not make sense to me. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I definitely think he's had a thing for her for a while. I do. Okay, I was about to say, it's like, I'm, I'm tired. I don't mean to keep going down the same rabbit hole, but I sort of thought about that the other day. I was like, maybe what we're seeing is that we typically only hear about like the whole mating thing where it's like, and then they were mated and then they were together and then shit just happened after that. Like nobody right. talks about like what happened to be for that for the most part. And I guess we're just, I don't know, just, doesn't get talked about and so like I feel like what we're seeing here is what you said which is uh, back in Akatar, I kept saying that I almost felt like the two of them got on better mm -hmm. than like she and Tamlin and I think what we're seeing here is like yeah yeah we're mated but like we're we still like each other more than we like most people <laughs> exactly <laughs> we're still potentially attracted to each other more than we're attracted to most people you know what I mean like yeah. And I can only assume that got weirder after she turned into like high fate. You know what I mean? No, I Whatever agree. She is. Like, I mean, I feel like probably things in general got amped up at that point. So like if she was party before, she's really party now. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like I think I because if, we know if she that liked that me, it, it if she liked the her. smelly foxy pheromones of Lucian before, she likes the smelly foxy pheromones now. <laughs> You know I mean? No, I know. I do. I'm with you. I'm there. I don't know. It was weird. Definitely weird. You know? Anyway, Farrah decides instead of running, she's going to go and help Lucian. And she hides herself coming in so that Ianthe doesn't see her. But as she approaches, she realizes that poor Lucian has been shackled to a tree with those blue bands of stone. And Feyre knows what they are. She knows what they can do. And, you know, Ianthe's looking at, at Lucian like he's her next meal. Ew. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. She's ew. like a little much. And she's like groping all over Lucian. And Pharaoh is finally like, all right, that's enough. Knock it off. Get your hands off it, bitch. <laughs> and she realizes that Pharaoh is dressed to leave. And she's like, we're just playing a game. Lucian's not answering. And 
Farah's really viscerally reacting because she sees what she's what Ianthe has done to Lucian, that her hand is where it does not belong. And Farah's like, nope, nope, done, snap. Because Ianthe doesn't back off. She goes after Lucian again. And instead of physically doing anything, Farah unleashes her Daimati powers. And she just went down and took took Ianthe down. And um, I love the description. I love the description um, that, that Farah describes as she's doing this. And she says, a mask over a face of decay. That's what it was like to go inside that beautiful head and find such hideous thoughts inside it. A trail of males she'd used her power on or outright forced to bed convinced of her entitlement to them. I pulled back against the tug of those memories, mastering myself, and tells her, take your hands off him. And Ianthe does. And then she tells Ianthe to unshackle him. And at this point, Lucian's like, oh shit. Like his face is totally like, oh fuck. Because Ianthe is obeying Pharaoh. No questions, no nothing. And then she tells Ianthe to pick up a rock and go over to another rock. And the rock she picks up is about the size of an apple, so decent size. Mm -hmm. She goes over to a bigger rock, like the kind that you could sit on. And she tells her to smash your hand with the rock as hard as you can until I tell you to stop. And she does. And she does. And it gets really bloody and really gross and really mangled very quickly. And then Farah says, you will never touch another person against their will. You will never convince yourself that they truly want your advances, that they're playing games. You will never know another's touch unless they initiate, unless it's desired by both sides. You will not remember what happened here. You will tell the others that you fell. You are allowed to see a healer to set the bones but not to erase the scarring. And every time you look at that hand, you are going to remember that touching people against their will has consequences. And if you do it again, everything you are will cease to exist. You will live with that terror every day and never know where it originates. Only the fear of something chasing you, hunting you, waiting for you the instant you let your guard down. So. I just have to say that is really yeah god that's beautiful and brutal <laughs> I'm so brutal I'm like mm -hmm. well I'd say that that pretty much put Ianthe in her place oh I'd say so and then she tells Ianthe she can stop and she basically tells Ianthe to go and for all in she tells her to kneel till someone comes to find her, which is basically like putting her in a corner. But I love what I what Ferris says next. It debated slitting your throat this morning, 
I debated it all last night while you slept beside me. I've debated it every single day since I learned you sold out my sisters to Highburn. But I think this is a better punishment, and I hope you live a long, long life, Ianthe, and never know a moment's peace. Mic drop. I repeat, brutal. So brutal, and I love it. But also, like, I just want to note that, like, I still stand by favors, like, lost it a little bit. <laughs> absolutely she's, she's a little yeah she's a little off her rocker <laughs> not that i can blame her i guess at this point i'd probably be off my rocker too yeah but i think it's kind of odd because like obviously we'll get there in a couple of episodes but i just feel like when she gets back to the night court like she's just suddenly like okay i'm fine and it's like no i feel like Are maybe you? you need therapy <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's face it. She never really got it before. She still needs it. Right. Right. It's kind of like, I think you're spiraling again, but we're all just ignoring it, which is not probably great. Yeah, exactly. Mm, okay. And poor Lucian's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Struggling to get the words out. But before Feyre can answer him, Brenna and Dagden are in the clearing and tell tell Lucian the word you're looking for is Daymati. Well shit. And that's the end of the chapter. So there's the end of chapter nine. So we took care of Ianthe. Now we just gotta deal with Brenna and Dagda. Boy. Chapter 10. Um so Brenna and Dagda are in the clearing and it's Ianthe who's God knows where because Farrah kind of wiped her mind. Right. And um, Lucian and Farrah. And uh, well, Lucian's coming off the tree because at least at this point he's not shackled or whatever. And I think he figures that. Right. Which is like a step up. Well, that and if he has to pick a side, I think he'd rather pick Farrah's than Brandon Dagda's at this point. Call me crazy. So he goes and he stands with her. And he finally picks up on the fact that she's wearing Tamlin's bandolier stolen knives. The Illyrian knives. Favorite comes to realize that they weren't going to let Lucian leave alive. And he realized that about the same moment. Right. And Favorite's like, look, take the spring court. It's going to fall one way or another. Of course, that's pisses Lucian off. And ultimately what happens, she thumbs away two of the Illyrian fighting knives. When Branna says, haven't you wondered about the headaches? How things seem a little, a little muffled on certain mental bonds? And she does acknowledge that her powers that tired swiftly had become weaker and weaker these last couple of weeks. And then Branna says, I'd give her about 10 minutes before the apple sets in. Damn apples. No shit. And I like apples. Damn it. What is it about apples and fairy tales? Like this was kind of a... Uh, Yes, no whitey vibes. I thought so too. Yeah. Okay. Not just me. All right. So Brenda does explain, he goes, you know, we gave the priestess the powder at first, crushed fabian stone, crowned so fine you couldn't see or scent or taste it in your food. 
chewed out a little at a time. Nothing suspicious, not too much, lest it stifle all your powers at once. And unease begins to settle in Thera's gut. She's doing the, oh, shit. And of course, Fair's like, apple? What apple? And they're like the one you shoved down your throat just a little while ago. It was grown and tended in the king's personal garden, fed a steady diet of water laced with fabane. Well, crap. Enough to knock your powers out for a few days straight. No shackles required. And yet, here you are thinking no one had noticed you planned to vanish today. Oops. So Faye realizes she's running out of time. She could either abandon Lucian and get the fuck out of Dodge while she had a chance. He realizes it too. He tells her to go, at which point Faye makes her choice and she explodes into night and smoke and shadow. And as she says, even a thousand years, oh, even a thousand years, is it enough for Dagdon to pro adequately prepare as she winnows in front of him and strikes? And so suddenly she's fighting with Dagdon and they, they really are fighting. And she's doing the whole winnow strike, winnow strike, you know, go, go Feyre. Exactly. Which I still think is going to look really cool on TV. I know. I can't wait. And she says in her internal analogue, and months of Cassian's brutal training clicked into place as I kept my feet under me. So yay for Lyrian training. Woo he, she realizes that he's only buying time, writing her down until her body is fully absorbed that apple and all the power renders her practically mortal. So she hits him where she he was weakest and goes after Branna. Because she slams a wall of flame into her. And they were expecting her to go after her physically, not magically. So nobody was prepared. And well, at that point, pretty much all hell breaks loose. And so they go after um, each other and it really pisses off Dagda. He tries to kill Farah, And she could feel, as she puts it in here, with every strike he makes, the rising stifling silence. I'd felt it once before that day in Highburn. And she kills, with Lucian's help, she kills Branna. Thank God. Dagdon screams. He goes after Lucian. And before he can get to Lucian, Favor winnows in and kills him. Good work, team. No kidding. Good, good teamwork, right? And then she looks at Ianthe and she's like, you tell them I killed them in self-defense after they hurt me so badly while you and Tamla did nothing. Even when they torture you for the truth, you say I fled after I killed them to save this court from their horrors. And Lucian's like, Farah. And he realizes and says to her, you're going back to the night court. And she's like, yep. yes. Yep, yep. I kind of feel like Lucian knew this. I don't know why he's suddenly acting like this is news to him with his magic eyeball, but I digress. I agree, but 
I'm with you. I digress. And Lucia's like, well, I'm going with you. And Farrah's like, no. She's heading for the treats because she knows she's now on seriously borrowed time. She's cramping. She knows she has to get away. She has the last of her power. She has to get to the hills. And he's like, you're not going to make it without magic. And he's like, I'm going with you. I'm getting my mate back. Alrighty then. Okay. She's like, don't make me regret this. Which I love and feel like is, again, a great end of an episode <laughs> for TV. I agree. <laughs> I agree because we get a snowflake. And then they get to this point after the snowflake and she's like, blood's coating the inside of my mouth. She goes, I'm panting. My head is throbbing. My stomach is twisting with a knot of aching. And Lucian was barely better off. He's like, it's gone. My magic, not number. They must have dosed all of us today. And she says, my power pulled away from me like a wave reeling back from the shore, only there was no return. It just went further and further out into a sea of nothing. And she's, they're at the hills and Lucian finally like, realized and he goes, you're gonna take a door. And Pharaoh's like, yes. There was no door to the night court. So she was gonna have to go through one of the other courts. And as she says, she would not risk her friends by bringing them there to retrieve her, no matter that the bond between her and Reese, she couldn't even feel it. And the numbness had begun to spread through her and she needed to get out now. Yeah, she needed to get out yesterday if we really think about it, but that's beside the point. Very true. And the way she's going, Lucian stops her and says, the autumn court portal is that way. And Farrah looks at him and says, I can't go to summer. They will kill me on sight. The only other door here leads to under the mountain. Those are all locked. We go to Autumn and from there, home. And Lucian's like, look, the Autumn Court's going to be as dangerous as summer. And it really doesn't matter because, as we know, Farrah can't go into the summer court because literally... There's a big fat blood ruby with her name on it. So that's not an option. And suddenly, just as they're getting ready to step through the door, she says, a faint buzzing and ringing filled my ears and I felt my my magic vanish entirely. And Lucian's finally like, fine, I know a place. So they walk towards the cave. That's the door to Autumn Court. To the lands of the family who betrayed him as badly as this court had betrayed mine, we hurried through the hills, swift and silent in the shadows. And the cave to the autumn court had been left unguarded. Why? Because Cassian taught Aira to think ahead, and she did, and she made <laughs> sure that she had more than one way out. Smart girl. Right, which, like, again, like, now we've, we've really been planning, haven't we? <laughs> Good girl, smart cookie. Lucian's kind of looking at her and she's kind of like, well, yeah, no shit. I made sure that this happened on purpose. She's finally looking at him and he's really struggling. And she finally looked at him and she's like, look, stay to want what's done is done. She knows Highburn's coming. Um, And she debated whether it would be better for the night court to take the spring court or for Highburn to do it. And she's finally decided to let Highburn do it because if if the night court took the spring court... She's smart enough to know it would set up the other courts sure. against them versus if yeah. Highburn takes the spring court, 
they can still rally the other courts. Right. So she let it do its thing. And as they're finally going through the, the, the doorway, Lucian looks at her and says, you were right. That girl I knew did die under the mountain. And Fairy doesn't know if that's an insult or not, but she's kind of like, at least we can agree on that. Lucian falls on a step beside her. And they, you know, leave spring behind. They head towards autumn. And in the distance, so faint, and this is the last, last line in the chapter, it says, and in the distance, so faint, I thought it might have, I might have imagined it, a beast war cleaved the land. Which and that's the app end of chapter I 10. think is a really cool end of a chapter. <laughs> That'd be a cool end of an episode, too. That, too. That, too. Uh, and that's where we're going to end our episode. So, yay! Kim, hit us with some songs. Okay. So, here we go. We have a few songs on this one because even though it's not a lot, it, there's a lot to unpack and the songs all kind of help tell the story, in my opinion. And Feyre and I, I mean, Feyre, Kelsey and I have talked about this. I feel like I've talked to Feyre about <laughs> it because I've talked about Feyre so much. I'm dying. <laughs> the Feyre on the other side of this camera with the fall crunchy leaves hair. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Okay, I'm better, I'm back. So the first song is Confident by Demi Lovato. And it's really how Farah feels about her plans to destroy the spring court from within. Truth. Then we have We're Not Gonna Take It from Twisted Sister. <laughs> we're it, not gonna take it. it. <laughs> no, we're not gonna take it. <laughs> we're not gonna take it anymore. Um, and that is for Farah and Lucian getting pissed off about the children of the blessed um, <laughs> right? being killed by, by Dagda and Branna. And then we have the third song, which just makes me giggle rather hysterically, which is with a cat-like tread from the Pirates of Penzance. And it's when- A um, musical humor for your day. <laughs> you know, with a cat-like tread. <laughs> turin, 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 turin. Um, It's when- Feyre and Lucian go after the boggy to lure the boggy back to the camp to chase after the Hibern scary twins. I thought it was appropriate. And then we have Oh What a Circus by Evita because let's face it, with the whole thing with the sentry and the circus involved, it was, it was a circus. And so I, it I was. Just, it, it's such a funny song in, in, that context yes so I, yes I thought it was funny. unfortunately this is one of those usually it's you know not not my circus not my monkeys unfortunately this is your circus and unfortunately these are the monkeys Virgo, <laughs> oh what a circus um and then so song five is unsettled scores from whistle down the wind which is a show that was done by um it's an interlaid Weber show not gonna lie y'all the show itself is terrible the script is awful but the music's fabulous <laughs> So <clears throat> it happens. It does. And, but it talks about unsettled scores and, and getting even. And well, if you can't figure out why I put this here, we have problems, but okay. So song six is Bye 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 by NSYNC. 
think we can have a boy band. I'm here for it. You know, gotta have some fun, right? And they're they're out of here. They're that's Feyre and and Lucian kind of going, see ya. And then I picked Run Runaway for after the fight um, with um, the Hybern twins. Accurate. And they're trying to get the heck out of there. Um, it's a song from the 80s. I wish I could tell you the name of the band that did it in the 80s right now. I can't tell you. I've gotten to the point where I'm much more familiar with it because one of my all-time favorite bands used to play it all the time in their concerts. It's on a couple of their albums. And that group is Great Big C. That's where I have it. It, on the playlist for us is the great big C version. So run, run away. And the final song is a beautiful kind of Celtic folk song, um, The Long Way Home by a band called Enter the Haggis. They're from Canada. They're awesome. And it's quite literally when they're at the door to fall. Right. Right as they're walking through it's at the, the very end court. of chapter nine. Ooh. And those are our songs. And yes, I just realized this is a super like, Broadway show heavy song selection. So it happens. You know, people, if it's not your thing, I'm sorry. Next time, I promise you, there won't be as much Broadway. Um, but it does happen. And every once in a while, you know, Broadway lets us tell great stories with music. So exactly. What can I tell you? And if you have song suggestions, you can tell us on all of the things. Remember, all of yes. our socials have two A's like Sarah J. Mass's name. So massivefansbookclub.com. Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast, Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, Pinterest at Massive Fans, and TikTok at Massive Fan Pod. That's all the things. <laughs> yes, it is. If you can't find us, you don't want to. <laughs> very true. Very, very true. <laughs> or your Google algorithm sucks. Um, <laughs> that too. That too. But I think that pretty much wraps it up. So, um, yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye.